Let me tell you a story, podcast number 147. Hi, this is Steve. Hi, this is Becky. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story. Uh, We're going to change our format a little bit today because I'd like to introduce you to my latest book, which, no, it's not in print. It's with beta readers right now. But I want to give you a clue as to what's coming next. But before we do that, Steve is going to read you the prologue for the first book in the Children of the Light series, which is titled Shadow Ranch. The latest book, the second book in the series, is Crimson Arches, but we'll begin with giving you an idea of what happened in Shadow Ranch, and then I'll read you the prologue to Crimson Arches. University of Arizona student Ksenia Clark knows where she's headed in life and how to get there. But falling under a charismatic professor's spell was not part of her plan. When a romantic weekend getaway to his isolated ranch reveals his perverse agenda, Ksenia finds herself a prisoner of a madman. Desperate to extricate herself and her teenage brother from the locked compound near the U.S.-Mexico border, She frantically searches for someone to help them escape. The other captives, who seem content with their unconventional lifestyle, are suspicious of Ksenia and her rebellious ideas. Can she trust anyone to aid her quest for freedom when the group's loyalty is to the professor and their activities are monitored day and night? Prologue to Crimson Arches, the second book in the Children of the Light series. Ksenia Clark slowed to a jog and pulled her cell phone from her waist pack. The phone's ringtone resounded in the quiet morning. Who could be calling this early? The sun had only moments ago begun to crest the mountain. She glanced at the screen, grinned, and accepted the video call. Hi, Trent. Trent Duran's handsome face appeared backdropped by rough wooden planks. Good morning, Ksenia, my lovely friend. Looks like you're up with the chickens, as my granddad used to say. He winked. I see you're already out on your path. My path, huh? Called the loop by locals. Her path circled Tucson, Arizona, the state's second largest city. She'd run sections, but never the entire 54 miles, though she was tempted to try. Maybe then she'd outrun Brewster Wiley's voice in her head. She stopped to catch her breath. Perspiration dripped down her back, and she hoped she didn't look as drenched as she felt. Bending from the waist, she rested her free hand on her knee to slow her breathing and her heart rate. I see you're in your barn. Trent often called from his barn, especially on hot afternoons. 
A morning call was unusual. Yep, he said, been here most of the night. Sorry to interrupt your run. The overhead light accentuated his dark hair and bronze cheeks. Trent's Spanish heritage, combined with working beneath the Sonoran Desert's relentless sunshine, guaranteed a year-round tan. I don't mind a break, she gulped the dry desert air. Did Princess Irina, fearing something might have gone wrong during the mare's birth, she didn't finish. Pia fold three hours ago, a little filly. His brown eyes sparkled, despite the dark shadows beneath them. Trent's nickname for the mare amused Ksenia. Shortly after he purchased the horse, he'd renamed her from Sugar Pop to Princess Irina Afire and had almost immediately begun to call her Pia. What an exciting night you must have had. She straightened and pushed errant strands from her sweaty forehead. Did the delivery go okay? Charlie Simons, my good friend and neighbor, came over, being it was Pia's first time. He sat with many a falling mare. Trent ran his fingers through his hair. But she didn't give him much to do except pull the cord apart when it didn't separate. The filly is healthy, and her coloring is similar to the mare's. I'm so happy Princess Irena's first foal looks like her. Ksenia hadn't seen the horse since the day Trent bought her at a shadow ranch sale. But she remembered her flamboyant coloring, how her auburn mane and tail offset her brassy chestnut coat. Now you have a pretty filly to add to your quarter horse herd. His lips moved, but she couldn't hear him, and then his voice came on again already investigating her new world. A bicyclist with a handlebar headlight rounded the corner, jangling a warning bell. She stepped off the path. Is a little one nearby? Can you show her to me? Yes. And no. Meaning what? She cocked her chin. Yes, she's nearby, but no, I won't show her to you. Kate scrunched her eyebrows. Why had his happy, though tired demeanor changed so abruptly to serious? almost stern. Is something wrong? You said she's perfect, but my phone camera has been taking lousy pictures lately, and your voice fades in and out. Others have said the same thing. Trent rubbed his eyes. Could be time for a new phone. But even if my phone took good pictures, they wouldn't do the Philly justice. I remember when my sister's twin boys were born in Chicago. The photos she sent were great to look at. Yet to hold those tiny tykes in my arms was something else entirely. He chuckled. Now they're Henri three-year-olds who keep Janelle on the run. Something stirred in a nearby bush, and Ksenia hopped back onto the path. She didn't care to tangle with a snake or any other desert creature this early in the morning. As I was saying, Trent's eyes brightened. God's workmanship is marvelous, just like Psalm 139 says. To touch a baby's soft skin or feel a kitten's silky fur to see a newborn's curiosity about life on the outside. You can't beat it. I agree, she said. However, I believe that psalm is actually about people, not... Ksenia, my friend, Trent crooked his finger, beckoning her. You are hereby invited to the crimson arches to meet Pia's foal while she's fresh from the womb. Trent, my friend, she shook her finger at him. My grandpa would say you snuck that one in the back door. Front door or back door? I'd like you to help me name this filly, like you did Pia. He grinned. I haven't forgotten the day I bought her at the Shadow Ranch sale and how you thought of a fitting name. First try. 
That was a special moment, she grimaced. Too bad Brewster came along and ruined it. Trent's eyes narrowed. His cruelty to you that day was reprehensible. I vowed right then to do everything in my power to rip you from his clutches. Didn't get a chance to do it, but... But you helped rescue my brother and the other boys, and you delivered them to their families. The boys' safety meant the world to me then, and still does. And you mean the world to me, my beautiful friend. Ksenia's heart flipped like it did every time he made such kind remarks. She blew him a kiss. You're so sweet. Trent Duran was the nicest man she had ever met. Well, other than her dad and grandpa. Please come, Ksenia. He leaned his elbow against the stall wall. I'll make my famous breakfast burritos every morning you're here. It's not fair to tempt me like that. Trent spent occasional weekends at her Grandpa Gordon's house where she and her 15-year-old brother, Sam, lived. Each time Trent visited, he fixed burritos for them, plus tomatillo salsa and fresh-squeezed orange juice. She couldn't deny the longing she saw in his eyes or her own desire to be with him again. He'd begged her for months to see where he hung his hat, as he termed it, to admire his expanding horse herd and to stand at the foot of the sandstone arches that defined his great-grandparents' homestead. They talked often by phone over the last year and met in Benson or Tombstone for a movie, and a meal or a church service, and a stroll around town almost every weekend. Her hesitation wasn't because she didn't enjoy Trent's company. In fact, each time they parted felt like she was leaving a piece of her heart behind. She wanted to see his ranch, to understand his world. She truly did. But, but Brewster Wiley's malevolence stained Arizona's entire southern border, in her way of thinking, anyway. Grandpa Gordon said she was making a mountain out of a molehill. Knowing Brewster was behind bars very likely for the rest of his life was enough for her practical grandfather. Even so, Ksenia knew Brewster was no molehill. Incarceration would not diminish his hunger for power. If anything, it had probably increased his compulsion to control everything and everyone around him. If only Crimson Arches didn't share a boundary with Shadow Ranch, where Brewster had forced her and Sam to live with eight sister wives and their children. Miles of desert might separate their living quarters, but they were neighboring ranches, and the thought of being that close turned her stomach. The sun inched above the mountain. Already its rays warmed the air, releasing a nearby creosote bush's earthy, rain-like aroma. A lizard climbed the rock beside the bush and stretched out, ready to soak in the sunshine. You know I'd love to see the filly, Trent. And you, of course. Ksenia focused on the lizard so she wouldn't have to see Trent's disappointment. It's just... Please look at me. She pulled her gaze from the lizard. I talked with a deputy friend yesterday. Trent's soft words came slow and even. Brewster Wiley is still in jail and still awaiting trial because his lawyers are still playing games with the court. Right now, he's in solitary again because he instigated another fight that mushroomed into a brawl. My lawyer told me all that last week, she said, but that doesn't mean... Then he probably told you Wiley's partners in crime also remain behind bars. Those crooks aren't going anywhere, Ksenia. But if you're concerned, I'll drive to Tucson to catch you and stay by your side all the way here and all the way back. You don't need to do that, she shook her head. It's too far, over two hours each way. Then you'll come to the ranch? 
I didn't say. Please, I miss you, Ksenia. He brought the phone closer to his face. I'd like you to come soon, while the foal is still in Newport. Besides, I know you'll love it here. Love a desert ranch? One that abuts Brewster's property? Didn't seem possible. What if she went and was so focused on the past she made them both miserable? Just last week, her therapist had asked how long she planned to let the shadow ranch shadow hang over her life. She tried to forget her imprisonment there, tried to stop blaming herself for Sam's trauma. Yet, she couldn't escape Brewster. Like a specter, he haunted her days and her dreams. Sometimes he oozed syrupy sweetness. Sometimes he swung his fists. Always he threatened. She winced. The dream she'd awakened to an hour earlier had included all three elements. Would returning to the region help her release the anger and pain she felt every time Brewster crossed her mind? Would it enable her to overcome the unpredictable panic attacks and strive for healthy forgiveness, as her therapist termed it? Would forgiving Brewster allow her to trust Trent, to love him enough to move to the Crimson Arches? That is, if he proposed, which seemed more and more likely the longer they dated. But maybe that was just wishful thinking on her part. On the other hand, though she liked the idea of being with Trent every day, she wasn't sure she could ever marry again. Her cheeks burned at the memory of her short marriage, a union she believed was true wedlock, until the night Brewster dumped her and Sam at Shadow Ranch. Trent was Shadow Ranch's closest neighbor, a neighbor who shopped at the weekend markets and assisted the sister wives whenever they asked for his help. In her opinion, he visited there far too often. Ksenia, she smiled. I miss you too, Trent, a lot. The words slipped out before she could stop them. I'll drive there today. Trent's eyebrows shot up. You will? Today? A happy grin spread across his handsome face. Now she couldn't take the words back. She didn't relish the idea of driving solo through the hot, sparsely populated desert to his place near the U.S.-Mexico border. But deep down, stronger than her misgivings about Shadow Ranch and the lonely drive, her heart longed to be with him, to spend more than a few hours together. To quote my babushka, she tilted her head, everything is good in its time. Huh? He arched an eyebrow. I was supposed to model for a designer symposium the next five evenings. Ksenia laid her phone on a rock so she could retie her shoelace. The lizard scampered away. But it was canceled due to the flight attendant strike. As a result, I have several days off. Trent brandished a thumbs up. The joy in his heart warmed her heart, and a squeal from somewhere nearby suggested the foal was also glad she'd relented. Ksenia grinned, happy to make Trent happy. Seeing him in his home territory would be good. Don't forget, she tapped the screen, I'm counting on breakfast burritos, homemade salsa, and fresh squeezed orange juice every morning. Your wish is my command, Miss Clark, if you will pick up a bag of oranges on the way here. My orange trees are done producing for the season. I'll be glad to. Need anything else? No thanks, he shook his head. Just made a trip to Shadow Ranch. Fridge is full of produce and pantry is stocked with baked goods. Ksenia bit her lip to keep from frowning. 
Her first sight of Trent had been at a weekend market, but she wished he'd stay away. Can't wait to see you, he said. Text me when you leave Tucson. He pressed two fingers to his lips and touched the screen. I'll make this an extra special weekend, Ksenia. Just you and me. Homegrown steaks on the grill and, he waggled his eyebrows, a surprise. You know surprises make me uneasy. She lifted the phone off the rock. Can you give me a hint? Ever since Brewster drove her and Sam to Shadow Ranch for a surprise weekend getaway, she hated being caught unaware. But Trent was trustworthy. She had no reason to doubt him. Yet, like a persistent mosquito, fear niggled at the back of her psyche. No hints, he winked. You'd guess for sure. I better go. Don't forget to think of a name for the filly. Ksenia accelerated onto the highway, turned up the AC and the radio volume, and settled into her seat. Despite her misgivings, she was determined to enjoy the drive to Crimson Arches. She'd already told her grandpa where she was going and texted Trent. Now, using her Jeep's hands-free system, she dialed Sam. He answered on the third ring. Hey, sis. Hey, Sam. How's life in Wyoming? Great. Come visit. Trent and I hope to visit before the summer is over. Hey, Margo's about to do one of her horse therapy sessions. Can you call later? I just wanted to tell you I'm leaving town. Trent invited me to the Crimson Arches to meet his new foal. Princess Irina of Fire had a filly early this morning. Way to go, Pia. Can't wait to tell the others. Ksenia pictured her brother's sparkling green eyes and the way his wide grin creased his freckled cheeks. Trent's ranch is a cool place, sis. His voice, which seemed deeper every time they talked, rang with enthusiasm. You'll like it there. But I'm jealous you get to see his new foal. Margot doesn't have any pregnant mares on her ranch. Probably a good thing, because they didn't get fed much while she was gone. But they're better now, right? Yeah, they're okay. Hey, you gonna visit the ranch of no return while you're with Trent? You think you're so funny, Sam. Ksenia wrinkled her nose. You know all the money in the world couldn't convince me to go anywhere near Shadow Ranch. Same here. He snorted. I take it back. I'd use the money to buy an army tank to drive through that stupid fence. It's what I dreamed about doing when we were stuck there. I'd do it a bunch of times, knock the whole thing to the ground. And I would cheer from the ridge above the ranch. For now, I'm just grateful God rescued us from that place. Margo's calling everyone to the corral. I'll let you go. Tell Margo and the others hi for me. Love you, sis. Send pics of the filly. Okay. Love you, too. Bye, Sam. And he was gone. But not Ksenia's memories of his early adolescent years when he was reluctant to express love to his family. But now, ever since their escape from Shadow Ranch, he didn't hesitate to openly declare, Love you, to all of them, even gruff old Grandpa Gordon. At her request, he'd also forgiven her for her part in their captivity. However, he'd said there wasn't much to forgive. Brewster had duped them both. She and Sam, together and separately, had undergone months of counseling. This summer, he was participating in group horse therapy with the other escapees, nine boys total and one girl. 
Ksenia saw her therapist twice a month, yet the memories and the nightmares continued, and the panic attacks, and the urge to run from her tormented brain. But it seemed she could never run fast enough or far enough. Maybe she needed horse therapy, too. If only she could put Shadow Ranch behind her and move on. Well, there you have it. That's the story so far. Let's uh, let's find out. Becky, where did you get the idea for the story? Um, why is it set where it is? What was going on in your head? <laughs> I think, uh, thinking back, the impetus for the story is a TV series called Sister Wives, which I haven't watched, but I've heard about and uh, seen a couple previews. And it just um, is so disturbing to me that people would glorify polygamy um, when the truth is, number one, it's illegal. Number two, well, actually, number one, it's God's plan uh, for the family. One man, one wife, but it's also illegal to have multiple wives, at least in this country. And and yet is glorified, and I have, man, I've read a number of books, or even you can go to the Bible. When there were multiple wives, there were multiple problems, and the jealousies and the tension, um, such unhappy lives. And I, you know, I just really feel like women are victims in those situations. So I wanted to do something that shows the, the misery, the misery of polygamy. And that's, that was my initial idea, which uh, began with Shadow Ranch and having the heroine trapped in that setting, a setting where she couldn't escape in, uh, quotes, real life. Uh, many women are raised in such situations because it's been uh, several generations of families coming down practicing that what they feel is uh, what God wants for them is one man and multiple wives. So in my heroine's situation, she was trapped and totally shocked by where she found herself. So that's the setting or the um, idea for the series. And uh, this book continues that but takes a, a, a different turn. Obviously she's not a shadow ranch any longer, but um, there's a twist to that uh, polygamous story. That's a true twist in real life uh, and a sad one. But as always, I promise happy endings. And the setting. Uh, Steve and I lived in Arizona for three long summers, <laughs> two and a half years, and um, being that we were from Wyoming, that was kind of a shock to our systems to stay in in the summer and go out in the winter just so backwards. So we're very grateful to move north again to Idaho. Um, but because we've been in Arizona, spent some time in seeing the sights and hiking in the area, just had a good feel for it and thought it'd be a great setting uh, partly because there are numerous polygamous groups in that area, although they span the west from Mexico up into Canada, uh, including some here in Idaho. Um, I just thought it'd be a great setting for 
for misery, for a miserable situation. How many more books are you going to have in this series? At this point, I'm thinking just one more book, um, which would possibly center more around um, Margot's ranch. Margot had been one of the wives that Brewster accumulated. Again, she was sort of tricked into the situation, but he also tricked her out of her ranch. And uh, she regained her ranch and is trying to put it back together in this story. And the kids who escaped, including Ksenia's brother Sam, are helping her with the restoration. And at the same time, she's also providing some horse therapy for them. So that uh, may be possibly the setting for the next book. We'll see. But I'm also interested in some um, extreme social situations that are going on up north and really across the west and into Alaska. Um, I'd like to do research into some uh, some of that and maybe include that in the next book. As you can see, it's a pretty nebulous in my brain right now. <laughs> and, and so therefore, a fourth book is not at all in my head, but you never know. How long does it take you to write a book? And do you do it by, what do you call it? Um, where you put the circle and then a lot of, a lot of lines out from it? <laughs> Cluster, I think it's called clustering. Yeah, how do you how do you go about writing so many words, so many pages? You have to have some some method. <laughs> A method to my madness. Well, uh, writers talk about a couple ways to write. No way is best or correct because we're all different. Uh, some. People have a marvelous outline. So some people have that outline all prepared. Or um, there are people who will write like a 20-page synopsis. Or I've even heard of famous authors writing like 100 pages and then going back and writing the real story. Other people do what's called seat of the pants. And I like the term discovery writing a little bit better, where you... Like the reader, you discover the plot and the story as you go along, which uh, keeps it from getting boring, but sometimes it makes it difficult, too, because you really don't know where you're headed. I usually have an idea of the ending um, and the beginning, but uh, maybe not the middle. So uh, that's that's pretty much my process, is just discovering the story as, and discovering the characters as I go along. So that means I have to backtrack often and, and change what I wrote early on. But then, as Steve calls me, I'm a perpetitor, a perpetual editor. So for me, that's the fun part. But the clustering he mentioned is really, well, I've done it for plot. I do it for characters, like put the name Trent in the big circle in the middle, and then um, a line and a circle from that that might say cowboy, and then uh, another one that might say rancher, another one that might say believer, and then from, say, uh, cowboy, you could put, (laughs) you you can bounce on another circle off that could be rodeo star, 
or um, did I say rancher is one of the circles? Yeah. Uh, from that could be cattle rancher, and from that could be, oh, I think maybe he'll be a cattle and horse rancher. It's not just, it's not a set in stone thing, but it's just the more you go out with the circles, the more you think, oh, he could do this or he could be that, or he could meet, he could meet Ksenia, and then he could meet her here, or he could meet her there. So it's just a fun way to sometimes the character bit um, morphs into the plot. It. So for me, that works. Um, other people have other approaches. Some authors have long, long uh, character sheets that describe their height, weight, um, birth parents, schooling goals, that kind of thing. And I just don't know that stuff until I'm way into the story. And um, some of it, as we say, some of our research, some of our back ground for characters and plot setting, uh, although we can all get really get sucked down the rabbit hole with research. Um, much of that does not end up in a story. It just, what is that word? It informs the story. In your Kate Nielsen series, you had that character who was beloved by your readers, Dimple. In your other series, do you have somebody as as memorable as Dimple? <laughs> I believe in my second series, and this is bad, I can't remember. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy and a woman, <laughs> an older woman who's adorable, and then the guy who's the boss of uh, the cat, the character, the protagonist. Um, the, the guy she works for in uh, landscape kind of work. In this series, I think uh, the memorable character is named Charlie Simmons. And he is a longtime rancher, a longtime cowboy. And he knows horses, and he's got the language of the West. And I think you will enjoy Charlie. <laughs> Are you going to tell us the secret about Charlie? The secret? Like, how'd you get the name? Oh, <laughs> so you have to prompt me. Um, yes, um, we have a special friend whose name is Charlie Simmons. He's also such a faithful, encouraging reader. And I, I just have had so much fun turning him into a cowboy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that's the last question I can scrape off my brain. Do you have anything to add before we go? I will just say that, um, uh, as always, I promise a happy ending. But as always, uh, there's plenty of adventure and intrigue in the story, as well as some education about um the dark side. I don't know if there's a bright side, but the dark side to the polygamous lifestyle. So um, please keep your ears tuned. And if uh, you'd like to know when that book comes out, join me on Facebook or Twitter or what else am I on? Um, join my email list. So you can do that by going to my website, uh, www 
www.beckyliles.com and uh, you can hook up with me there and also get a free short story. There are different ways to spell Becky and Lyles. B-E-C-K-Y L-Y-L-E-S dot com. All right. Thanks for listening. And Becky's going to say goodbye. (laughs) Remember, you too have a story. Be sure to live it to the fullest. Thank you for listening to Let Me Tell You a Story. Please email your comments, suggestions, and submissions to story at beckyliles.com. That's all for now. Tune in next time to enjoy a fresh assortment of stories on Let Me Tell You a Story.